Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 186. As always, I'm joined by Dom. It's draft day, Jared, draft day. Yeah, we're recording this the day of the NFL's first round draft. It's going to be pretty interesting since it's all digital. No guests this week, it's just the two of us. Uh, we can make it if we try, just the two of us, you and I. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see if there's any like like mess ups during the NFL draft because it is all digital. You know, if they have to like pause it or do an extension, um, it's going to be interesting to see how people adapt. The cool thing is, I'm just going to go off on a, a really quick tangent. The Bears GM was talking about how uh, this whole situation has forced them to do their interview process and scouting and everything a little bit differently than past years, obviously but that it's taught him some things about time management with that stuff that they could use moving forward, you know? Um, it's kind of like one of those things you take stuff for granted until you don't have it anymore, right? So yeah, um, Something's going to happen. There's going to be a glitch and the system goes down, and then it comes back up, and all of a sudden, like, the New England Patriots have all the first-round picks, and everyone's well, just going to accept it. Here's the thing, too, is communication is key because, for instance, I'm a big Nebraska Cornhuskers fan, right? They have two twin uh, D-tackle brothers that are going into the draft this year, Carlos and Khalil Davis. Both start with a K. So when you're drafting, one of them's more athletic than the other one. They're both still good. They're supposed to go like between the third and the sixth round, right? But if a team drafts one, meaning to draft the other, <laughs> you know what I mean? Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Anyways, that's our sports talk for the week. <laughs> Let's hop into the video game stuff. We're going to be going over the rundown of some quickie news. Then going to be talking about the March MPD numbers, uh, which are dominated by Animal Crossing. I know, shocker. And lastly, we got a bunch of Xbox news. So this is a pretty Xbox-centric uh, episode this week. We've been talking about PlayStation quite a bit, I've noticed, the last couple of weeks with the DualSense controller and then the Bloomberg report. Uh, now we got a bunch of meaty Xbox stuff to talk about, and the truth of the matter, this is probably going to be the way news is going to be moving forward throughout the year with everything getting delayed. It's going to be talking about the next-gen consoles and stuff, and Nintendo's been pretty quiet. Um, I mean, Animal Crossing was their last big release, and I don't know when we're going to see their next big release. Uh, maybe until fall, who knows? So it's going to be interesting, a lot of Xbox and PlayStation stuff, but let's get started. Um, first off... Final Fantasy VII Remake. We're going to talk about it at the end of the show, but have you started it yet? Yeah, yeah, I'm about six hours in. Cool. We'll get into that later on in the show. That game shipped 3.5 million units in its first three days. That's combining shipped and sales. Uh, there were some headlines that quickly went up saying that, oh, this is the fastest-selling PS4 exclusive. Not the case. Um, both of the numbers that Spider-Man and God of War touted were actual sales, not shipped included. So wow, though this is impressive, it didn't pass those, and a lot of those had to actually get redacted and edited after the fact. Um, I wonder, too, because that was the first three days, so it might not have been as much of an effect, but that game is hard to buy right now, uh, physically. So Yep, and uh, remember that it actually got shipped out early to Australia for at like mm, a week and a half, I think, remember? Point. So who knows? It's still going to sell a bunch. Funny enough, so when we talk about Final Fantasy VII, it's lauded as like a historical game in terms of like the video game industry, right? It's up there with like the Tetrises and, you know, just the, the classic games, Super Mario Brothers. That game only, the original, has only sold in its lifetime over a little over 11.5 million copies. Crazy, Dude, right? Yeah, there, there's a handful of stats out there that, similar to that, that are hilarious, where like, I think Ocarina of Time for N64 didn't sell very much at all. Um, and yeah. There's a handful more um, that, you know, like some of the greatest games ever. And it's mostly from that era or earlier. Um, but yeah, it didn't sell all that well. It's kind of a weird thing. Put into context, Animal Crossing, uh, sorry, Animal Crossing, we'll get into that later. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield sold 15 million copies combined in six weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Put that into context. And it is Pokemon. I know it's the most hyperbolic of the franchise because I think it sells like hotcakes, but. Uh, congratulations Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm sure when both of us are done with that game, we'll do a little bit of a spoiler mode for it and talk about our uh, experiences as two people who didn't play the original. Um, without spoilers, I've seen opinions on both sides of people kind of confused with the ending of the game, people stoked about it, and we're going to be in this weird place where, you know, this isn't the complete original game, 
and we don't know when the next one's coming, you know? So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting conversation when that day comes. But like you said, it's tough to buy right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly those numbers climb in terms of sales and shipped. We'll see. Uh, next up, new, tail, new details for Call of Duty 2020 uh, were provided by Bloomberg. That's another thing, if you didn't know. Uh, Jason Schreier is now with Bloomberg. We talked about him leaving Kotaku last week, and it seemed like he might be going to the Washington Post. A couple of days later, he revealed he's joining Bloomberg's team. So they just finished breaking that PlayStation 5 report. Now they have Jason Schreier. I think this next generation, we could see Bloomberg vault itself up to be a primary news source in the video game space for breaking news and you know industry inside scoops. Man, he must have gotten a payday. Yeah. And, and well maybe deserved. just relative to other game journalists, like a payday for right. a game journalist, but still yeah. it's a payday. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he talked about Call of Duty 2020 and provided some updates on it. If you didn't know, uh, and Dom, obviously we've talked about this numerous times, it was said that this was originally going to be Sledgehammer's game. They got moved off the title. Uh, the Black Ops team came on, Treyarch. They kind of shifted the Vietnam story happening in the Cold War to be a Black Ops game. And it, people weren't unsure if this was going to be Black Ops 5, a reboot, what was going to happen, right? Which is weird because this will only be two years after um, Black Ops 4, which kind of takes away their three-year game cycle. And turns out that, uh, according to Jason Schreier anyways, it is still on track for release. COVID-19 hasn't affected it, thankfully. And uh, even though it's in Black Ops canon... It won't be Black Ops 5 or a reboot. It's actually internally being called Call of Duty Vietnam and will be taking place during the Cold War era, you know, with the Vietnam War. So that's interesting. So there, it's it's not going to be labeled as a Black Ops game, but it's going to be in canon. Uh, I wonder if they do like the Call of Duty uh, Vietnam, but above it, it'll be like a Black Ops story or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because they want to have the Black Ops in the marketing somehow, right? Because it's their most profitable, like, sub-franchise. So, I wonder how that's going to work. Unless it is called Call of Duty Black Ops Vietnam, which would be even be more odd. Who knows? Um, yeah, so that's that. I am i don't know how you feel, Dom, but I'm not surprised that it's still on track for release. You think about the amount of people they have working on these annualized game titles... And I'm assuming that what Activision probably did is shifted a lot of its workforce from other development houses to kind of double down on this, right? It's the best-selling game every year outside of a Rockstar release. So you'd assume that they're just going to make sure it comes out right, especially with next-gen. Yeah, I guess, man. It seems like they're they're struggling, or they're, you know, scrambling, rather, uh, from the reports we've heard about, like, how they're, yeah, switching studios on stuff, and changing scope of games and all this kind of stuff. And now they, I mean, they've only been getting bigger right now. They have Warzone to support. Um, they've got these remasters out now. They got a lot going on. And uh, I think I said this a few weeks ago, like you can get on them and say like, Oh, it's you know, all thrown together at the last minute type stuff that they do, but they put out good shit, man. And you know, it sells well for a reason. So it's kind of impressive. Um, It'd be easy to call it mismanagement from one point of view, potentially. But at the end of the day, it sells like better than anything else every year. So I can only be impressed with what they do there. Yeah. And that's the big thing, too, is Call of Duty Warzone is free. And they've kind of moved away from the toxic macro transactions. And Activision is a very profitable and large company. So they still want those large profit drivers for their stakeholders. So you know they're going to want to get an actual retail release out there that people pay for, right? So no surprise there. Uh, speaking of sales, uh, let's hop into these March MPD numbers, as always provided by Matt Piscatello of the MPD Group. Shout out to him. Excellent follow on Twitter. If you haven't yet, go follow him. He's also a huge San Diego Padres fan, so if you're a fan of baseball, he often talks about that as well. I'm not a baseball guy, so it kind of just goes over my head. <laughs> I just kind of scroll past those tweets, but he's a big baseball guy, so uh, if you oh, love video something. game sales... What? I learned at least one thing today. There's a baseball team in San Diego. Oh, you! wow, you're even less of a baseball fan than me. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and obviously Dom's a larger hockey fan than I am. Uh, way larger. <laughs> uh, so next, uh, for Matt Piscatel's numbers, let's go over the top five best-selling games for March. Uh, number five, NBA 2K20. This isn't too surprising considering the NBA season got shut down with COVID, right? So people wanted to get their NBA fix. And the game normally, I don't know if you remember this, Dom, but the game normally hits 
MPD pretty high around this time because this is when the playoffs would normally start getting into effect. Ramping up to the playoffs is at the end of March. So the fact that it's back in the uh, top sellers is, is not surprising. Uh, number four, RE3 Remake. Um, this is interesting because obviously it had a pretty mixed critical reception. Did come out at $60. Remember, these are based on dollar sales, not unit sales. Uh, number three, MLB The Show 20. Uh, note there, it's an exclusive title that's going to be going multi-platform, I believe, either next year or the year after. So it hitting number three on the MPD charts as an exclusive. I could just imagine this thing's going to be like Madden and NBA where the month it releases, it just dominates, right? Um, which to me is surprising because... I still am of the mind, and obviously statistics show that baseball is on a downward trajectory in terms of popularity in the United States. Um, the NFL is obviously huge, and it continues to be huge, and NBA has been growing over the last two decades, whereas MLB has been dropping, but that fan base is still strong as ever. Uh, number two, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, we'd both assume that this is A, because it's Call of Duty, and B, the Warzone bump, right? People downloading the free game, being like, Oh, I got the itch for just a regular Call of Duty multiplayer. I'm going to buy it. So that's that. And number one, and it's not even counting digital sales, is Assassin's Creed, or Assassin's Creed, <laughs> uh, Freudian slip, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I saw the AC in my heart. Okay. I went to Assassin's Creed. Because uh, I have a rundown of AC and Yeah, yeah like sorry. Wait a minute, did I miss an Assassin's Creed game this month? Shit. Uh, so, yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons dominates. Uh, this isn't surprising. We kind of all assumed this would happen. It's the game of quarantine. Everybody kind of jumped on, on the bus with that game. Uh, it's really impressive for it to be number one without including digital sales. I, I imagine if you included digital sales, it'd be there'd be an even larger gap between it and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um are you surprised by this top five at all, Dom? Do you think maybe RE3 you expected to be higher on the list or lower? And AC, I'm assuming you also thought was going to dominate? I mean, especially when you were... Yeah, I would have expected RE3 to be maybe a bit higher. I mean, it's multi-platform, right? So, and then... Uh, it's not Assassin's Creed. Animal Crossing is Switch exclusive. And, you know, half the sales you're not counting anyway. So, yeah, that's... That's especially impressive. Um, not that, and I don't think there's, it's not, Art Resident Evil isn't unimpressive. Um, it just seems, yeah, maybe it could have been a bit higher, but um, yeah, more or less, it's, I guess, close to what you'd expect. What's well, an interesting case of like economics and marketing and stuff of like, would this game have gotten higher in dollar sales if it came out at 40 instead of 60? Because so many people were kind of pushed away from purchasing it now because they heard, six hour gameplay time, $60 purchase. I don't know if I'm getting the most bang for my buck and that could have deterred a lot of people. So it'd be interesting like, oh, if it came out at 40, more people might've bought it instead of taking a pass until it was on sale. I wonder where it would have netted out at, right? Losing 20 bucks per sale, but having more sales on the back end. Um, we'll never know obviously, but it's just an interesting thought exercise. Uh, next up, Call of Duty Modern Warfare became the biggest, the best selling game of the year. And Animal Crossing entered uh, at number two. So no surprise there. Call of Duty is taking the lead at the number one spot. There hasn't been a really huge release. I guess outside of like Doom Eternal, which for the record came in at number six for March. Not on digital. That uh, was I was going to ask, like, wait a minute. There's something missing here. <laughs> yeah, Doom Eternal came in at number six, not including digital. So um, mm. that's interesting there as well. Um, probably would have netted higher in the top five, I assume. Uh, next up, uh, I'll keep wanting to say Assassin's Creed. Jesus Christ. I need to start writing Animal Crossing instead of AC. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons had the third highest launch month for physical unit sales in Nintendo's history ever. Wow. And it, it's actually the only two that are higher than it are both Super Smash Brothers games, which means that Animal Crossing New Horizons had a bigger launch than any Mario or Zelda game ever. Uh, the Mario one's actually more surprising. People forget they're kind of blinded by Breath of the Wild. Zelda's never really sold really well. Uh, it's never touched uh, Mario's numbers. Um, Breath of the Wild is kind of the exception, not the rule there. But yeah, Animal Crossing coming out and just dominating. Like selling, having a better launch 
uh, of physical and uh, unit sales for a Animal Crossing game to beat Mario? That's that's kind of crazy. Um, they definitely they they hit something right, you know, with with their marketing for this game. Um, Very lucky still, timing. <laughs> yeah, great timing for them, and they just went super heavy on the commercials. I still see. Uh, New Horizons commercials like several times a day, right? I don't, I don't watch that much TV either. Um, but yeah, they went super heavy on the marketing and then somehow they, you know, they played the social media game well. I don't know how, like you can do it the right way or the wrong way. And a lot of times it's mostly out of your control, right? The wrong way being um, <clears throat> Mass Effect Andromeda where you just get kind of get skewered and you're kind of sitting there like, why are there all these memes about our facial animations? <laughs> and that ruins the game's sales. They're not ruins, but you know, that kind of thing. Whereas Animal Crossing was like, it was just kind of like all over social media in a more positive way. And I think, yeah, the timing of everyone being stuck at home played into that too. But it just, yeah, it was like striking, like not lightning in a bottle because like it's a great game and it's cool and people love it. But just a lot of things lined up really well for Animal Crossing this time. Well, and then the free publicity from celebrities that they didn't even have to pay. Like, so you have Chrissy Teigen who's constantly talking about Animal Crossing, right? She has a so huge many. Twitter following. Um, um Ariana Grande. Yeah. Yeah. It less goes on and on. Uh, today, the day we're recording this, uh, it was trend. Elijah Wood was trending on Twitter because he saw that somebody posted that they had high turnip prices and he asked them if he could visit their island to sell his turnips. And mm-hmm. they freaked out because it's like Elijah Wood is coming to my, my dang island. So uh, <laughs> just all this free publicity, right? Um, and it is a solid game. It has its issues, but I don't think they deter from the experience at all. Uh, they recently had, which we're not going to get into on the news segment, but they recently posted like a roadmap for the game of all these events that are coming up. Uh, There's Earth Day, which started today. So you definitely want to log in and check it out. Uh, They introduced bushes and hedges and stuff for more decorating options. Uh, There's, I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head. There's like a wedding event that's going to happen where you have to help these like two llama villagers get married, which is pretty cute. There's like a lot of stuff for like the next two months. And if they can keep this track record up, we don't think about it like this. But Animal Crossing will probably be Nintendo's biggest entry into the games of service model and their most successful. Because naturally the way Animal Crossing is set up as a game is it has updated events throughout the year, right? That's just how it's been since the GameCube in 64. So it is kind of naturally a games of service game, and they can they have a built-in marketing cycle for it, right? So that's pretty cool. Uh, the egg stuff, man. All the egg stuff was whack. Well, and... you have to remember that that <laughs> probably wasn't their plan to be the first event because this game was originally slated to come out at the end of last year. Remember, and it got delayed. So then they had to release it, and people have talked about they think it's actually a purposeful troll event. That it's not meant to be jolly and happy. That you're kind of meant to get annoyed by the bunny character. Because if you like compare him to other people who visit your island for events, uh, there's just some certain weird things that happen. Oh, another thing in the updates is you now have this guy who comes to your island every so often, Dom, in a boat. And he sells you art. But he can either sell you counterfeit or real art. And you kind of have to look at it and tell if you think it's real or not. And then you buy it. And you, there's a new art section in the museum. So you can have like art and stuff. Um, okay. Because I was going to ask, how in the hell would you know if it's counterfeit or not? I know art is art when you're looking at it, but. I'm they're based off of real paintings, like famous paintings. Oh, okay. Like Starry Night and all that stuff. Okay. So like you can so, pull up an image on Google and be like, what's the difference here? This is I weird. Guess, yeah. So yeah. when you take it to Blathers, he'll be like, ah, this is garbage. I don't want it. Yeah. Like an example, so there's like the anatomy of man image, you know what I'm talking about, where he's like the four arms and the four legs. And mm-hmm. on the fake one, like the feet are turned around, like the wrong directions. It's kind of like just sure. paying attention to stuff. Um, it's just a really cool, neat event. Uh, yeah. So love an Animal Crossing. Anyways, let's get into this Xbox news. A ton of stuff. Uh, so this comes by way of Phil Spencer, Windows Central, IGN, and Xbox Game Pass. A lot of stuff to go through. We have four things. Uh, well, actually, three things I want to tackle specifically. Which one do you want to go to first? Um, we have Xbox Rumor Roundup, Quick Hits, and Phil Twitter's Phil Spencer's Twitter response. I guess let's start with the rumors because I don't, I, never, I always hate rumors. I'm always like, who cares? Okay. That's not real. Well, 
remember with this so this is was posted by windows central and it was taking all the rumors that are happening and taking the ones that were substantiated so these rumors that weren't just some random dude on 4chan it's like okay maybe this random dude on 4chan posted it but then it was like kind of corroborated by Eurogamer. but then there was a reset error like these have some weight to them they're not just x dude right that said this stuff uh so the first one the long rumored lockhart will be the four teraflop entry into next gen will replace the xbox one x which seems to be getting phased out with reduced prices, etc. So this is something we didn't talk about, but the Cyberpunk custom console, there's already only 45,000 units being made, and they stated it was going to be the last limited edition Xbox One X ever being sold, right? And then we also saw the the uh, sales price for the Xbox One X getting drastically reduced and being on sale way more often than it has been. So there has been speculation that they're actually phasing that out because... They don't want a three to four hundred dollar console when they're gonna try to have this lesser or cheaper skew, right? There's no point to have the Xbox One X and then this Lockhart. Uh, and people were asking, well, you know, what's the point of having a four teraflop Xbox that's supposedly next gen when that's less mm. teraflops than the oh, Xbox goodness. One X? Are you gonna but, take this one? <laughs> yeah, well. So the thing is, is that it'll have the NVMe loading speeds, uh, the slight ray tracing, and the SSD, right? So all of those make it a more formidable next-gen console than the Xbox One X. Yeah. And uh, if you actually look at it, it can produce at higher powers and performance speeds than the Xbox One X because of that stuff. Yeah, and right, the, the CPU should be on par with the Series X to whatever extent, right? So yeah. the way I perceived it, in my limited technical understanding of specs, but was this is basically an Xbox One X in in every way, or sorry, an Xbox Series X in every way, except for like pure graphical output. So your frame rate, textures, resolutions um, wouldn't be as high, but like like actual programming and type processing power um, and load speeds and all the other features and architecture would be on par. So like, Design-wise, there won't ever be a game that couldn't play on this thing that could on Series X. It just would be at a lower resolution or lower frame rate kind of a thing. Yeah, you'll still you'll still see a, a, a generational leap from your current console if right. you don't have the Xbox One X. And even from the Xbox One X, you still will see a leap in performance, not that to the Series X, but yeah, you're correct. So yeah, people just like, oh, but if it's less powerful, then it's not next-gen. That's not exactly how it works. Uh, the biggest negative, I assume, will probably be that if they want the price to be lower, it'll be 500 gig SSD as opposed to one terabyte, right? That's mm-hmm. my other assumption to cut down the price. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Uh, next up, a new Xbox wireless headset has reportedly been in the works as well. Uh, if you didn't know, the the last Xbox headset uh, that they've released was in 2013, or 14, sorry, uh, with the launch of the Xbox One the previous year. Uh, so this would be their first next headset it's supposed to be wireless and work through bluetooth um it's kind of from what they're saying they want to have their own established in-house headset that people can turn to without having to go to the um the names escaping me what's a really uh mad cats not mad cats but the the headsets everyone buys with a turtle beaches and the astros and all that stuff yeah um so they kind of want to have their own thing that's not surprising either uh, they wanted to work with like everything, so it'll probably be a Bluetooth headset. If obviously, if it's wireless, it'll be a Bluetooth headset. Uh, next up, uh, do you have anything to say about the headset, Dom? Sorry, no, it's a headset. <laughs> yep, yep, sounds uh, cool. Yeah, uh, Lockhart is rumored to be in the take-home phase, where employees are taking it home and testing it. If that matches up with Xbox Series X timeline, which I'll s- explain real quickly, about two weeks before we saw the Xbox Series X. At the Game Awards, if you remember, Phil Spencer tweeted that he took the Series X home and was playing games on it. Uh, So about two weeks later, we saw the reveal. So if that timeline sticks with this, the May reveal lines up. And you're like, well, May reveal? What are you talking about May reveal, Jared? What is this May reveal? Well, uh, speaking of that May reveal, the idea of Xbox holding a May reveal event, which includes reveals of first-party games, uh, which will be the headset, the series s which is lockhart and a couple of titles uh which have been rumored to be fable and halo infinite 
is going to go alongside a traditional E3 adjacent blood event uh, that's heavily reported in rumor circles. So essentially what they're saying is that there's going to be a, uh, when all this happened, this coronavirus stuff took place, Xbox decided that instead of doing their big E3 blowout with everything in it, that this gave them the opportunity to do a May event where they focus on you know, supposedly Project Lockhart, but showing a lot of their own personal first party titles and features and all that stuff. And then that the June event would be a blowout of games like third party and other first party stuff that they haven't shown yet. So that's the rumor. To go along with this, it's like likely that it'll be in the first half of May. Uh, the rumors of the PS5 stuff is is the end of May, but that's less corroborated than this Xbox stuff. Um, this two event thing has been like all over the internet. Like almost everybody's like, oh yeah, for sure. Um, which is interesting. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Them doing one thing that's more insular and then doing another thing that's more of a traditional blowout. Yeah, I could see that. Because um, <clears throat> there was something that we, we brought up, I think last week, where Phil said, you know, every every industry event in the next year or something, they plan on showing new games, right? Yeah, there's not a... I believe his quote was, there's not an event we see coming up where we won't be showing something new. Yeah, so I, so that's... Probably one of these things is, is that, right? Like a June or something later. But definitely, this makes sense of they're going to do their own thing in one of these dates, right? Um, May, late May or whatever it seems... Yeah, that seems like it's about time, right? Because we're May and June is when we expect to start seeing the next gen games, right? Especially, actually, yeah, from from both Microsoft and uh, PlayStation, um, this makes sense. So yeah, I could see them doing, yeah, their own kind of uh, event where they're like, "Yo, guys, Fable, whatever the next number of Fable game would be," <laughs> and so on, right? Oh, it'll be or a Halo, I assume, it. right? Like at this point, they wouldn't do Fable subtitle. It's been yeah, so just long; they just do Fable, yeah, yeah. Uh, my idea is this, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not. So I do think they still want to have some splashes. We're going forward with the idea that this is true, right? There's going to be a May event and a June event. Put that in your mind. My assumption would be that at this May event, they want to tease a lot of stuff, like show off some stuff, maybe reveal some stuff, but go deeper at the big event in June, right? So mm-hmm. here's here's what I'd assume I, I would be, wouldn't be surprised to see. We get a blowout on Halo Infinite because that is their launch title, right? That's their focus. We get a deep gameplay dive. We get all this stuff, features, whole shebang, right? We see the Lockhart. We see the headset, yada, 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 yada. And I think in that, we see the reveal of Fable, uh, maybe a tease of gameplay, right? But it's a reveal. It ends with a full gameplay reveal at our June event, right? Because they're going to want, they're going to market the next event after this one if they, if that's how it works, right? They want to lead into it. And then uh, here's Forza. Like I think, I think we have the highest chance of seeing their next gen racing game in Halo Infinite the most. And then I think some of the other stuff will be teased and then go in deeper at that big event because you don't want to show off all of that stuff at your own event and then just have like a third party press conference, you know, highlight reel. I I think they'll tease some stuff at that May event and then showcase it uh, at the June event. What do you think? Yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, and they've done things like that before, right? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of it. Was it Fallout 4? Or something where like... Well, they, Fallout they... 4 was opposite because Bethesda showed it off first. And then they said, we'll show you more Xboxes thing. Yeah, it's a little different because it was it's different publisher. Or opposite? I don't remember. Yeah. It was one of the other. <laughs> one but, led into the other yeah. between those two. Yeah. Similar kind of idea where they like announced something and showed a tiny bit, but then, you know, c- try to get you excited for the next event where they're like, all right, we're going to really show you what's going on with this at this event. A good example, ago. actually, sorry to interrupt you, the Fallen Order. Remember EA showed that and then they're like, we'll show you the full gameplay demo at, at Microsoft's thing. There you go. And then yeah. we saw it. Yeah. It's, I think that's, I wouldn't be surprised if Halo is the focus of that May event, I guess is the gist of it, because that is their big launch title and they want to sell people on them and be like, yo, Halo's back, right? Um, so that's I wouldn't expect to see a full dive on everything. If I had to guarantee one thing we for sure will see if that May event exists is Halo Infinite. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for that because I feel like, and we've talked about this, everyone has talked about this before, but Halo Infinite is going to be like, this has got to be a big deal, right? And they know that they've known that because um, the only like criticisms people could have possibly levied at um, 
you know, Halo 5 and Gears of War 5, Gears of War 4. Like, these are all good games, but, like, they don't necessarily, like, do anything crazy and new or blow anyone's socks off, you know, more than usual. And, like, and this sounds hypercritical, but, like, maybe those franchises have got just gotten a bit stale or something like that. Um, I, the, like, that's not my thoughts necessarily, but uh, yeah. especially with Gears 5, that game is fucking sweet. But At the um, risk of signing bias, too, I do think that there's this negative shadow over Xbox where... I think because Gears and Halo have been their only huge AAA exclusives, people are way more critical on them than PlayStation's. Now, I'm not taking, I'm not saying PlayStation's games aren't great. That's not, you know what I mean? You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Like, because they're their only things, they're way more critical and nitpicky. Whereas with PlayStation, a Days Gone can come out. I mean, I guess that's a bad example, but like, I guess Horizon Zero Dawn. I wouldn't put Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn in the same place as Last of Us or God of War, right? Horizon Zero Dawn, great game, not to that extent, from what I've seen, anyways. If Horizon Zero Dawn came out on Xbox, I don't know if it would have got the same pro- you know, praise it got. Uh, but it came out on PlayStation, there's already a track record there, so I think people are not less critical, but like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I hope that comes across clearly of like, I do think because Gears and Halo are their only big boys, that they kind of get swept away a lot easier because it's like, oh, just another Gears or Halo, and it diminishes how good or bad the game is, period. You know? I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely some publisher, like, bias in there. Not Bias might even be say, strong, but, yeah. like, preconception. But it also goes both ways, right? Because I think we saw the similar effect because um, of Days Gone was a great example of that where it wasn't quite as good as God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn and spider-man uh it was still great though but it just wasn't those games so it kind of like i think got you know a bump down critically because of you know what preceded it from sony's catalog so it was like Ugh, it kind of it kind of got that effect yeah um, which but- i think yeah maybe xbox games a little bit of that too but just for, for those two franchises it seems like they've not done anything super different in a while um which I guess was the original point was like, I think Halo Infinite, you know, is going to be that. Like, I think, yeah. and they, they've known this, right? They've been, they know, like, this isn't a surprise. And there's a reason it's not Halo 6, right? Like, I think it's going to be a big deal. And it's going to be like, and this is their launch game, right? They, they're, they're looking at this like, this is our Breath of the Wild kind of a thing, right? Like, I think, I think it's going to be sweet. And we haven't really seen much of anything from it, which is more exciting too, because it's, it's not that far away, right? So I'm, I think it's going to be a big deal. And it's a new engine, the Slipspace engine. I'm excited to see what that does. And because they have this strong studio now, I wonder if there's another studio using the Slipspace engine, right? I wonder if uh, uh, the, the initiatives, like what engine are they using? It might have been reported they're using Unreal 4. I don't know. But I wonder if that that the, the tools, right, are going to be passed around from studio to studio because they are helping each other. Um, and to the point of, like, Gears and Halo, I think I was coming from it more of a perspective of, like, public opinion because yeah halo, halo 5 and gears 5 reviewed pretty well yeah good point. much better than days gone uh mm-hmm. and days gone is a weird case too because it's like it reviewed poorly i think it ended up in the 60 somethings in metacritic but fans loved it like there's a strong core of people who love that game very odd uh yeah i i hope i didn't come off too biased there but it has been something i noticed of of the funny thing too with halo 5 is that the campaign was much maligned, but people, a lot of people felt it was the best multiplayer the series had ever seen, uh, which is crazy because the, the campaign was uh, probably one of the more divisive, if not the most divisive campaign in the series. Anyways, I'm with you. I'm excited for Infinite, and I do think it's going to showcase some stuff we didn't even think that were possible uh, in a Halo game because we've kind of been taught a certain pattern of what we should expect from that franchise. And I think doing something new could really revitalize it in a real meaningful way. Um, really quick, I want to talk to you. This isn't in the rundown, but something I heard uh, on a podcast that I didn't think about. The smart delivery stuff for Xbox, right? Of like you buy one game and you get the best version of it or the, the best version for the console you're on, right? Remember the problem Jordan used to have where he's like, how come I'm downloading these damn 4K texture packs and I don't have a 4K? <laughs> right, right. With smart delivery, that's not the case. You won't have to download that stuff which is cool because i guarantee you the version of halo infinite that runs on the lock cart won't be the same as series x 
So it having 500 terabytes of storage won't, it kind of might function closely because it's going to be smaller file sizes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. So part of what smart delivery is that hasn't really been talked about much because yeah, it's not necessarily a sexy feature is, is what you're saying that it basically the Xbox environment is able to distinguish between what system you, what console you have and the patches are appropriate to that. So there's really different versions horizontally of the game. It's not just like a 1.1, 1 1.2, 1 1.3. Yeah. It's like a, uh, an A point, A, A point B or whatever. So you don't have to like download stuff that's unnecessary, right, to your yeah. console, which is cool. Like we get to get the really nice shiny version on the Series X, but people on the One S or One X don't have to download unnecessary stuff. So that's cool. Uh, next up, excuse me. We uh, you want to do quick hits or Phil Spencer's Twitter response? Let's go with Phil, Uncle Phil. Okay, so this random dude on Twitter named Wagerman nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, I, if that's his birth year, I guess he'd be what, 46? 84 or 94? 74. Oh, 74. Yeah. Uh, 46? 20 years uh, older than me, so 46, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I f- you're, you were born in 94? Yes. That's crazy. I mean, I was born in 91, not too far behind, but, uh, so he asked Phil Spencer on Twitter and Real quick, this is why I love Phil Spencer because he's real candid and open and he, he he's replied. so relatable. Huh? <laughs> he just replied. That's he just replied, exactly. Yeah, and we've talked about how awesome Phil Spencer is. Like, he's a stepdad you'd want if you had to have a stepdad. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> hey, man. It happens. People get divorced. Anyways, uh, he asked, hey, Xbox P3, how are you feeling about the eventual reveals of new games and info on the Series X later this year? How is planning going? There are definitely a lot of hungry fans out there. You know, oh, cool. This is a tweet that Phil Spencer probably seen. Like, you know, PR is probably like, don't reply to this and yada, 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 or other companies or whatever. And he was just like, hey, you know, uh, responded, reviewed plans yesterday for continued sharing through launch. The team is doing great work and adapting. I've never been more excited about Xbox plans. We've heard you. You want transparency, authenticity. We plan to keep showing that way. The next step is not too much of a wait. And in uh, little brackets, he put games. So this is cool. Obviously, this is not confirmation of anything, but saying that it's not too much of a wait. I think it's kind of him winking at like everyone has heard about this May event. Because uh, I think if it was happening in June, I I wouldn't tweet out that not too much of a wait if it was two months away. I don't know. It's maybe me reading too much into it, obviously. But I just like that he responded. He didn't have to. You know what I mean? But one thing Xbox has been is open and transparent and authentic. And I think that's the, the weirdest thing is that PlayStation is obviously hugely popular console ps4 has done tremendously well but jim ryan is not going to be responding to people on twitter right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what did you think about this reply obviously he's confident in his team and would you how, what do you get out of the not too much of a wait in terms of announcement i mean what we expect right it will probably in in a net you know in two three four you know a couple weeks we'll hear up uh, we're doing an event on this date, you know, which will be even a couple more weeks beyond that. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, we're going to showcase some games from Xbox game studios or something like that. Right. And like, Oh shit. All right, let's go. And he's smart. He knows that like by replying and saying not too much of a wait, there's going to be a built in level of expectation. Right. I feel yeah. knows that. So he knows like I'll respond to somebody asking about stuff closer to when we're doing it. So I could say it's closer to when we're doing it. Right. Like, I guarantee you the reason he replied to this, obviously because he wanted to, you know, be transparent, but I guarantee you it was like they finally probably nailed down when the event is happening, right? And they're like, yeah. okay, everything's good. Now I can tease stuff. Um, so that's that's what I read yeah. the most out of this is like, okay, everything's set. Now he's, you know, comfortable enough to like tease, you know? Yeah, you don't go replying to people on Twitter uh, making – no, it's not a promise, but you know, saying things that are going to happen unless you're sure of it, right? So, and this could, and you assume it's been delayed or whatever plans had changed in the past month. Um, and, but now, like you're saying, it's probably like, oh, okay, the new plan or whatever, the 
knew or not, the plan is now pretty locked in and uh, he can go out and try to get people excited on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's cool that he replied, man. Like imagine mm-hmm. that dude. He like, it was like, I'm sending this out into the ether of Twitter. He's probably not going to respond. Uh, and then he responded. He's like, Oh my God, Phil Spencer responded, you know? Cause when you sit back and think about like the position Phil Spencer holds, like he's very relatable, but like he's the head of gaming for one of the most profitable companies in the world. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Microsoft is worth so much money and he is in charge of their entire gaming division. And he just looks like a dude you can have a conversation with like at a cafe or a bar or something. It's so cool. Uh, lastly, the required reading for the week. I wasn't able to fit this in because we had so much to talk about. Uh, Jez Corden over at Windows Central, who's the one that put up the article about the rumor roundup that we talked about earlier. He had another thing where he talked to uh, – oh, I'll get to the quick hits after this. I forgot about the quick hits. He put up uh, an interview where he talked to Xbox first-party devs and asked them about the Series X and what it means for their games. And there's takeaways from like all of the major studios. So it's a really good read. Obviously, it's going to be biased because it's their, <laughs> their console they're working on. So take that with a grain of salt. But developers are developers, and they're going to tell you what they're most excited for, which should get you excited as a consumer of like, if they are having all these things that are helping them out, imagine the games we're going to get on the back end of that. So that's really cool. And one of them I actually threw into the quick hits. So the two quick hits I have for Xbox. One, it was announced today that Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming to Xbox Game Pass on May 7th. Oh, yeah. Which that's is huge. Cool. Same day, GTA 5 is leaving. So you'd be like, oh, it's a bummer. GTA 5 is leaving. Smart on Xbox to be like, yeah, we're losing one Rockstar title, but we're putting their newest title on there. <laughs> a huge get, right? Because it losing GTA 5 is pretty damning, and it's a tough loss because it's a huge game for the platform. Um, but replacing it with Red Dead Redemption 2, it's like, hell yeah. Especially now where people are going to have a harder time committing to $60 purchases, right? It's like, oh, I can play Red Dead on Game Pass. So, Yeah, I think there's, there's apparently something to the... I guess they've been doing it with video streaming for a while now. There's something to, it's fine that things come and go, right? Netflix has has always been doing that, right? Um, uh, PlayStation started doing that. Uh, But yeah, I think it's fine. Like GTA was on there for like a year at least, um, something like that. Oh, on Game Pass? Um, Yeah. I think two years. Yeah, a long time. So actually, that's a really long time. (laughs) Um, But I think like that, it's worth... uh, it's still worth it being there, even though it's potentially not permanent. Um, a lot of people are going to play through, you know, Red Dead 2 uh, when it's on Game Pass in like the one or two years that it's on the service, or maybe it stays on the service forever, you know. Um, but there's something to that, I guess. Yeah, and to me, this reads as if I was being cynical, Rockstar wants to get GTA 5 off of that service so they can probably have a reason for people to buy it again on next gen consoles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like get off of the mm, streaming stuff point. and try to resell it again. Um, who knows? Uh, anyways, and the, the last thing, uh, this is part of that interview I just talked about as a required reading. The link will be in the description if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, the Coalition's technical director, Mike Rayner, says that Gears 5's loads are four times quicker on the Xbox Series X than Xbox One without a single change to the game's code. That's pretty dope. So basically, that's like there was no work implemented in the game loads four times quicker. And Gears 5 is like a graphical showpiece for the platform right it's like a very beautiful game uh it it pushes a lot to the platform so for it to load four times quicker is really dope the without a change to the games code that's that's awesome for me to hear because the first party devs and maybe some of the closer second and third party devs are going to want to work to get it running optimally and improve their games but there's going to be other people who just want to get their game onto next gen platforms and if their games can receive performance enhances without doing anything to the actual game, that's going to be huge because then it gives them a bigger reason to push it to the new platform because there's less work involved, right? So indie devs and other people are like, I can push my game to the next-gen console and I don't have to put any work in and I get performance boosts, right? That's Yeah, cool. this, is, this is what's exciting about SSDs, right? Because you take a, a computer, um, you know, clone the hard drive to an SSD and swap them out. And all of a sudden you didn't change anything to any of the software than any of the OS or nothing. Right. Um, but all your shit's way, way faster. Right. Um, yep. so that's, what's exciting about this is this one easy hardware change. And that's just, you know, even just the drive, 
and the new console, it's all the, um, thank you, Mark Cerny, for helping teach us some of this, I guess. It's all like the connections between the drives and the other parts of the, like the motherboard or whatever else, right? Um, that you wouldn't get from just swapping just the drive. The new console, you're gonna get a, you know, a faster drive and faster connections. So yeah, this is, this is what's exciting about it, uh, this generation, because like, we haven't seen this in a while. Right, we have this kind of a an emphasis put on the, the load speeds and, and the data transfer. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Well, and I want to see how fast they can get the loading times if they optimize. Right, I would oh, like yeah. to see way better. I bet. Yeah, because this is without changing the game's code, and obviously as a first-party studio, the coalition can optimize the hell out of it. That's why the Spider-Man load times are so impressive in that weird wonky video we saw. Right, we haven't <laughs> seen the official release of it, but. That game loads exceptionally fast because of the transfer speed of the SSD and the PS5 and because it's a first-party studio, well, technically now first-party studio Insomniac optimizing the hell out of it. I want to see with the PlayStation and the Xbox of like what's optimized versus not optimized um, because both are important because the optimized stuff, like I said, the first parties are going to take advantage of that, right? So Uncharted 5 or whatever's next for Naughty Dog and you know Gear 6 or whatever – those are going to be pushing the top end of what you can optimize with uh, the SSD loading times. And then we also want to see, without changing code or anything, how is, uh, you know, uh, Days Gone, I guess Days Gone is a first-party title. I'm trying to think of something else. Persona 6 optimized and, like, Cuphead 2, right? I want to see the differences there because they're both going to see improvements um, and they both have their advantages. So that's really cool. I definitely suggest reading that article because there's some really fascinating stuff about what the Series X can do. Anyways, that's it for this week's news. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Animal Crossing for me, obviously, as always. I'll tell you about some of my improvements real quick, Dom. So I've been terraforming my island a whole bunch. Basically, the way I want my island to function is you have the you have the image of like a Animal Crossing island in your head, okay? Of course. A big yeah. square. Or as I often do, most most parts of it. <laughs> so my city. So there's a there's a river that runs from the bottom middle of my island to the like the right of the airport up and then it cut left in the middle of the island and then it went up and right on the top right of the island right uh so my island is kind of cut into three pieces top left bottom left bottom right or right so the bottom left i've turned completely into a city i used the custom patterns to make roads and i used fences and all of my villagers buildings and my stores and stuff so it's like a little town area. Still working on moving buildings and getting it done. You can only, I don't time travel, and you can only move buildings once a day, right? So it's taking some time for me because I kind of don't want to cheat. But once it's all done, I want you to come visit because it's really dope. The right of my island, I had an idea for like a nature trail forest area. So you know like the pine trees? Because there's like the regular trees and there's like the pine yeah. trees. Yep. So I just have a bunch of pine trees. I have like a, a secondary level where you walk up a ramp and it's completely blocked off by uh, rope fencing and pine trees to make it look like a like a nature not a nature reserve but like I guess like a nature reserve um, like a park right like a national park that's kind of protected and I want to do like a nature trail and like a lake and stuff in there so I'm working on that which is pretty cool and then the top left is like my flower garden orchard and all that stuff so I'm working on all of that uh really fun playing the turnip market getting my money um having a blast uh what else oh obviously final fantasy 7 remake i'm about 15 hours in uh that's loosely halfway through depending on how slow or quick you go the game's between 30 and 40 hours so i'm loosely halfway through the game uh i'll give my actually before i give my opinions since you haven't talked about it at all and you said you started it shoot uh yeah so i'm like six hours in, and i mentioned before uh it's a really cool game uh, i'll start with a few like huh things so they do the uh i don't i guess it's just the japanese thing where the dialogue between the characters there's a lot of huh what and like those, oh yeah i don't know how you explain that but it's kind of funny um and they do a lot of fucking moves i the, in voice acting, those noises are called efforts, but I don't know what yeah. the actual term is like in-game for dialogue, but yeah. And that stuff's always just like, I don't know, it just makes me like laugh a little bit. 
but it, and it's it's charming i'm like okay that's funny like tifa says something and cloud just goes ah and makes like a gesture and i'm like what a weird thing to it's a little I, kingdom heartsy a little kingdom heartsy yeah but like the actual content and the subject matter makes way more sense than kingdom Hearts, so that's good yeah um <clears throat> but yeah it's uh I, i'm still trying to really get a handle on the combat it's really it's difficult so far i think i i just gotta get used to it can i give uh, you a tip yeah so please. My biggest problem going into this game was I was playing it like Dark Souls or any third-person action-adventure game. And by that, I mean dodging. I was dodging and I was only using Cloud. And the biggest thing with this game is you can't only use Cloud. Like, it, you're not gonna, it's not going to work. There comes points in this game where, like, doing that, you actively are going to... The first time I ran into this was the... This isn't a spoiler, but, like, the big dog boss thing. Well, not big. Yeah. Like the dog boss, right? In yeah, Sector, I had him, too. He sucked. In Sector 7. Yeah. Uh, He's like the first point of like, yo, change how you're playing this game or else it's not going to be a good yeah. time for you. Uh, Tifa, you know her unbridled strength or whatever, the buff that she has? Mm, okay, it, yeah. Yeah, so that ability, what I've learned is that when you get into battle and she's with you, you want to get her two bars up and use it twice. Automat- like build up the two bars, use those twice, and then she's way stronger. Because early in the game, I was like, Tifa's kind of weak. Like, I don't like using her. I'd rather use Baird and Cloud because she just doesn't seem like she's doing much. Man. By doing those two buffs, she becomes super strong. Um, and the other thing I would say is that the way I play, and obviously you're going to find your own strategy that I find works, is I go in early with Cloud and then I switch to all the other characters and let Cloud do his own thing but use his abilities when his ATB fills up. Um and just kind of not necessarily super focus on cloud and kind of, you know, divvy up your uh, attention between the characters. Another thing, do you know that if you if you block in Punisher mode, you counter moves? Oh, no. Okay. Maybe. So there's going to be a boss you run into the game that you literally can't beat unless you do this. Like mm-hmm. literally can't beat. I'm not using that figuratively like you won't be able to beat the guy so when you're in punisher mode you know you move slowly if you block and someone attacks you it's even way easier than dark souls it auto parries like it auto counters for you so you can able to unleash so can you hold block basically and And then counter them yes well you counter them and then you obviously want to press square and like do your own moves sure Um, okay and not every move is counterable like physical attacks are counterable so if they come at you with like a grenade or like a fire attack or some weird stuff, like you can't obviously block that, right? It's the physical attacks you can block. So it's like really good against the dogs and like the animals or people who fight hand to hand. And that's the thing is I went into this like, oh, I can mash square and get away with stuff and then just use braver and focus thrust. That's the other thing. Focus thrust. I don't know if you've read that ability. And the reason I'm saying this stuff, not because I don't think you did, but I messed up with this stuff. I didn't pay attention enough. Focus Thrust like builds up their staggered bar really quick. So by using that move and not Braver, you can build up their bar. Like Braver okay. is the move you want to use when they're staggered. Focus Thrust is the one you want to use to get them staggered. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, because yeah. I've been mostly using Braver when it came when it comes up, um, uh, especially when they're up in the air. But okay, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that dog man, he was. I must have took me ten tries because I'm like, I. I don't know what to do because like you can't dodge him when he's coming at you with like half of his attack you can't dodge yeah uh, one of them his like tail whip or whatever you could backwards dodge and you could get out of it but a lot of the times like he's gonna hit you and that's just it and when you block it only you know absorbs like half the damage or whatever the fuck it was and i was just like well, I-, I don't get this it just didn't it just wasn't clicking um and eventually i have a question for you yeah sorry are you using your spells yeah because what i ended up doing for him was i went and i ended up having assess so i'm like okay i'm gonna do the status check on this dog and oh he's weak to blizzard okay start shooting him with ice spells and that doesn't really do much of anything it's you know his stagger starts to go up somewhat um but that didn't end up doing it for me what i ended up doing um maybe wasn't the best way but it was just like um uh going into punisher mode and getting him kind of pinned and just building up his stagger as fast as I, fast as I possibly could, right? Just eating a little bit of damage, but just to get him down 
because um, when I try to draw out the fight, like I might in Dark Souls, you know, and try to dodge and like use heals or whatever, like it just wasn't working. So I'm like, I'm just going to go out and fast and hard and just try to get him staggered. Uh, and that ended up working. But so yeah, I, I don't know. I was talking about in general, like generally in fighting, so you use spells quite often. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because obviously they, they upgrade, right? The spells upgrade. So fire turns into fire, cure turns into cure and so on and so forth. Uh, you want to upgrade those as much as possible. The point you're in the game, you at least want to get them to the second level, which is they end with an A. So Kira turns into Kira, Fire turns into Fyra. Uh, if you have gotten the barrier materia yet, I don't know when you get that in the game, you want to get that and equip it and upgrade it as quick as possible because barrier is essentially, it puts a shield on you. So you you use it, you click it, and then you get to put a shield on you or somebody in your party. And then the upgrade for it is a magic shield. So then you get to choose, like, if you're fighting a magical enemy, you can put a magic shield on yourself, right? And it kind of helps okay. you out a lot. Yeah. The deadly dodge material is really good, too. I don't know if you've read that one. So basically, you if you roll into a fight, like literally roll into a fight, you get damage bonuses from dodging attacks. So you would dodge and then attack right afterwards and you get damage, damage bonuses. So if you are somebody, obviously, like us who plays a lot of from games and you're used to dodging attacks, it's like built into the way you play. So might as well yeah. get a boost from it, right? Okay. Because I think I, I've let Tifa have that one. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's it's just a learning curve because I, I do really think that it's cool what they've done with the combat. It's, it's just it, it's just different. I'm getting used to it. but I'm way better I, now than I was at the beginning. I was in your place, too. I'm just trying to give you some tips. That way yeah. your learning curve is a lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah like ultimately it's cool because it's a different type of combat like it's you can't really compare it to any one game just the combat right because <clears throat> it takes yeah, people are saying of... kingdom hearts 3 and i don't think it's close like it has like light elements no. but it's completely different maybe kingdom hearts 3 on the hardest difficulty because that <laughs> game all you had to do is just push x over and over yeah but anyway <laughs> um yeah it's like you can feel it has like strong influence from a turn-based game which this is what the remake is of, of course. But then it has, you know, it's it's, it's kind of, I, I would even say it's turn-based at its core because, yeah. and, and what makes me say that is like the literal fact that you can't just use a potion. You know what I mean? You Pretty much you can't just do anything except push square. That's the only thing you can always do, right? And I guess move. But yeah, you have to build up your, your, your uh, ATB or whatever, which is more or less like taking turns. Like you have to let, you have to go in and hit to build that up and back up. So it's kind of like a turn in a sense before you can use a potion, use a spell, whatever. That's why having cure, a cure material on every one of your members is key because you never know when one person's going to need a heal, but you don't have the ATB and your meter to heal yourself. Yeah. So someone else might. Yeah. Also the ice spells from what I've learned are ass unless you're fighting, uh, an enemy that doesn't move at all. Um, because the way it works is it shoots out an icicle and then they have to remain in that area for it to damage them. So it's like okay. really bad. From whatever I've been like, pretty much using fire for that, but which is good, yeah. yeah. Wind and wind and ice are like the worst ones. Um, I use wind on Tifa just because, like, canonically, it makes sense to me. Like, she punches and kicks really fast, so she'd be using wind to her advantage. Uh, but that's just like a weird intricacy uh, of of mine. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm enjoying the combat. It is tough at the beginning, but I do think it is rewarding. Not in the mm -hmm. same way a From game is, but I think still it fulfills you. My biggest gripe with the game, and this is partially like a Japanese RPG thing too, is that like they're clearly the superheroes. It's like, oh, there's all of these people that exist in this world that are normal sized, and then everyone else is two feet taller than everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, I wonder who Avalanche is. Oh, maybe it's the dude with the gun arm and the guy with the sword. Oh on my his back. god, dude, I can't even tell you. So after you do the first mission, right, you blow up the freaking reactor and you escape, and then you get on this subway train and and, and you're Cloud with this this sword that's as big and as wide as you, and then you're in Barrett who's an absolute tank with a machine gun arm is on this train and they're like, Oh, we got to blend in. Be cool. <laughs> what? How are you going to blend in? Yeah. You are uh, clearly the terrorist and you're scaring people. <laughs> I love, by the way, the detail of when cloud freaks out when he's checking the other room to see who's in it and he pulls out his sword and he hits the top of the door. Oh I yeah. That was a really that. cool detail. I thought yeah. It was really cool. I, I um, agree. Cause it, it highlights it. Yeah, like that's awesome because it's kind of making fun of itself in a way of like 
Yeah, we know it's kind of silly. It's a giant sword. You wouldn't have that problem everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so far to you, who's, quote-unquote, as the Persona fans would say, best girl? Uh, well, I've only... I guess I've seen all three. You've met Aerith, Tifa, and Jesse so far, I'd assume. Yeah. Aerith only, like, gave me a flower, and I haven't seen her since, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's weird to me that people apparently... Some amount of people on the internet were upset that Tifa didn't have as big of boobs as she did in the original. Yeah, because they're or, they're they're still like incredibly large. I'm like Jesus Which Christ. I, they're like I can't imagine. <laughs> it's it just is. Yeah, that's the, the back most problems. ridiculous complaint <laughs> I could ever think. Um, but she seems interesting so far. Um, Jesse seems all right, I guess. Um, I'll thirsty probably have a more. Hell. <laughs> what? Jesse is thirsty as hell. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which I, I think, think everybody in the game's thirsty, but yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because yeah, like Cloud is a very good looking dude, and everyone is very aware of it and not afraid to tell him and act as such. It's uh, kind of funny. <laughs> did you do the Dart mini game? No. So have you left Sector Seven yet? No, I've done like pretty much all the quests there, as far as I can tell. So um, before got you all leave, the cats and all that. Before you leave, go into the Seventh Heaven Bar. Which fun note I didn't know that bar wasn't called Seventh Heaven in the in the original game, it was called that in canon. But on the actual building, it was called something else. It was called like Texas Roadhouse or something. Really weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> go play the dark game and beat Wedge's score. You get a trophy for it, and the mini game's pretty fun. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's like actual darts. Is like you have to get three hundred one in the least amount of darts, and I believe the record is eight, so you have to get it in seven. Um, and it's, it's a little bit frustrating when you start, but once you get like, oh, this is how I do it, you'll nail it. Easy. It's fun. Um, Barrett's daughter's really cute. Uh, little oh, girl. Yeah. One of the yeah. cutest characters in the game. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Obviously, I'm further than you. What I will say is that uh, without spoilers, so you're at the part where you're doing all the side quests, right? Or you finished all of them. Yeah, I think I've done them all. And now like they're having the uh, – where I paused actually earlier today was – they're at the underneath the bar or whatever having an avalanche meeting and i'm just chilling waiting so. okay so you don't get the dart mini game until after that meeting finishes so right okay. when it finishes you'll be able to do it um the game starts off a little slow like with you i i enjoyed the beginning of it but it it started feeling a little like long in the tooth the moment you hit i believe chapter four where you it'll be the point when jesse and you go on a mission that's all i'll say okay the game kicks off from there and like it starts hitting a really good pace. The worst thing about this game is when you get to the city sections and you have the side quests. So like when you first hit sector seven, you have the six side quests. I enjoyed doing them and I still enjoyed them later and they're far and few between, right? So I'm like chapter 10 or 11 and it's only happened twice. So it's the chapter you're in and then like chapter eight or nine or something. Um, they kind of kill the pacing a little bit because it kicks off when you go with jesse and it's like boom 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 and then it's like oh now i'm in a town and i have to do some side quests so it's it's a little odd in that way um but they are rewarding and they are cool like i like the side quests the pacing is just odd mm -hmm. you're about to hit a really cool part though um one thing that's odd too since we didn't play the original there's all of the stuff that they added i assumed it was expanding on stuff but there's literally characters in this game that didn't exist in the original uh, so I ran into this character once again, going to avoid spoilers to not ruin it for Dom. And I was like, Oh, that's a very eccentric, weird character. So I went to go Google him to see like, first of all, how do you properly pronounce his name? Cause I didn't hear it clearly when they said it. Right. And it was like, uh, this character is a character in final fantasy seven remake. And it like talked about how he didn't exist in the, the original game. I was like, Oh, that's odd. But then when you think about where he's placed at in the story, I'm like, Oh, he was literally created as a bridge between parts. You know what I mean? Um, because the original uh, Midgar, I think, is like three hours in the original game. Whereas this is a 40-hour title. So just put that into perspective of how much they had to extend the game. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to see where we land on this. Uh, you said you're, what, five hours in? Yeah, five and a half or so, I think. There's a good timer. So, really, yeah, really cool thing. The timer stops after three minutes on your pause screen. Mm -hmm. So if you pause, right, it will never go past three minutes. 
So, like, you know how sometimes you have, like, a conflated gameplay time at the end of a game because, like, yeah. you left it on a pause screen or something? Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that, which is cool, so it's a lot more uh, accurate. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about FF7 Remake before we close out? No, I'm excited. The story so far is a bit uh, weird, and, and I'm kind of like, what am I doing? I don't I, it, I'm excited to see where it goes, I'll say. Yeah, so far, like it's I said, where like, you're about to get to, it jumps off. It's really cool. I figured. And it's yeah. a lot more structured and like, oh, now I get what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, my last complaint, and this is odd because apparently he's a lot better than he was in the original. It was worse in the original. Barrett's a bit of a caricature, like a bit too much of a caricature for me. Dude. It's like, yeah, 100%. I just can't. I just can't with that guy right now. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, really loud, aggressive black guy. Like, I'm like where's the nuance here and i'm starting to see some of the nuance in the game but i'm just apparently it was like way more apparent and worse like troublesome worse in the original so apparently they like fixed it some which is good but uh yeah um that's it for this week's show uh hopefully we have some more final fantasy impressions for the remake next week might have a guest next week we'll see might have an announcement of of an event uh by this time next week, it'll be, what, the second to last day or last day of April? So if things are going to be kicking off in May, we might be seeing some announcements soon. Uh, who knows? But thank you guys for listening. If you can, follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It definitely helps. We're also on Spotify. So if you listen to podcasts there, check us out. Uh, if you go to YouTube, search Controlled Interest. We'll pop up. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload because you can never trust YouTube sub boxes. Leave a like on the videos if you like them. Helps us out. Leave a comment. Let us know. Uh, if you enjoyed anything we talked about or, you know, want to maybe, you know, uh, pitch something that we missed, let us know. Uh, lastly, on Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can follow Dom personally at Dom's Oreos. And you can follow me at Jared underscore. We will catch you guys next week.